Hey listeners, an apology for more to come. We encountered some technical difficulties with Skype around the 12 minute mark and we didn't realize it until after it came time to edit. Unfortunately, there's only so much you can fix in post and we really didn't want you to lose all the wonderful content of this episode. So bear with us as I sound like I have a cold or have been smoking for about 30 years. Thanks guys. On with the show. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, generally recorded at the PW offices, where we're all in various locations uh, around the country and the city. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, uh, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of The Fanatic, PW's new uh, twice-a-month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com, and you can check us out on Twitter at, at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer, and you can find us online on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes, and on Facebook, we're at Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. And don't forget, you can also leave us a comment on iTunes or send us an email or let us know how we're doing. We really love to hear from our listeners, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Yes, come on. Give us a little piece of your mind out there. So, now, this week on More to Come, con season is on. We've got Emerald City. We've got C2E2, and WonderCon is upon us. Uh, and uh, let's talk about IDW. On the block, question mark. Viz Originals has just launched. Uh, there's a new um, comics company uh, on the block, artists, writers, artisans, and uh, some final thoughts on Captain Marvel. So, con season. Heidi, you're on the road. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's the reason why I, we can't all gather in, in person. Uh, so I was at Emerald City a couple weeks ago. Seems like a couple days ago. And now I'm on my way to WonderCon tomorrow morning. As I record this, uh, and in the intermeeting time, there was C2E2 in Chicago, um, which some poor souls actually had to do all three. So, you know, Emerald City in <laughs> no. Seattle, uh, C2E2 in Chicago, WonderCon in Anaheim. And yeah. those are really the three, you know, between the three of them, they're the pretty huge shows and a lot of news coming out, a lot of con crud coming out, and everybody's been on the road. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is you kind of brought your your feature last year to life, <laughs> uh, you know, too many cons. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, we like the product of the the, the comics that come out of them. So, um, yeah, and we, you know, and we just put up a very short report from Bridget Alveson about C two E two, and she talks a little bit about the, the publishers the publishers that were there and publishers who weren't there. Uh, some publishers are Dark Horse, Image. Valiant, Oni Press, and Bloom were absent. Well, you know, Calvin, you and I were at the very first uh, C2E2 because this was mm. the 10th edition. So we were yes. there for when it started. And, uh, you know, it was a rocky start. And <laughs> so uh, they've struggled to, uh, they're, you know, they've kind of struggled to keep up. I mean, I heard there was a good crowd there, though. I mean, that's, just, you know, everybody that I've talked to who was there said there was a pretty good crowd. Um you know, it seems to have achieved con. I don't know if it's like a, a gigantic con that everybody thinks that there should be in Chicago, but uh, 
you know, it it seems to be doing it's a con. Well. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There weren't any. Can't, I couldn't seem to find, and nor could Bridget seem to find any official. Well, official well you know account. why? You know why they weren't there, right? It's because mm. last year they had the the Diamond Retailer Summit there. Oh. That's why they weren't there. That's why they were for the last three years. That's why I went for the last three years. Oh, and this I year see. it moved to it's going to be its own standalone thing in Vegas. So that's why yeah. all those publishers weren't there. I see. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, but she also, uh, in her report, I mean, she also said it was, uh, they, that they had a big crowd. She didn't really, she, like, once again, she didn't get final numbers on it, but she had a big crowd as far as attendance, uh, was concerned. And there were also a number of Chicago based artists there that, that got big shout outs. Obviously, Iron Circus apparently had a big, uh, panel and, uh, a big turnout. Lucy Nisley, Lucy, Lucy Nisley was a keynote speaker, and I think she was there as part of the um, American Library Association pop-up. Right. Library, well, you know, interview. they did uh, – it's notable that, you know, both CTE2 and Emerald City are read pop shows, and both of them mm-hmm. had a very pretty significant library presence. Like, there was a whole day of library programming at the Seattle Public Library, which ah. was the initial um, – initial line of programming from the new graphic novel roundtable yes. which we've all been talking about sure uh, now i didn't get to go attend that and um but uh you know i i heard it had some first year you know issues but uh but anyway big support for the library yeah, crowd a- in, in emerald city and also with c2e2 they also had a like you're saying they had a big pop-up there uh mm-hmm. you know i saw quite a few librarians talking about it on the places where mm-hmm. librarians talk about things and uh, so you know that's a really nice that read pop is supporting yeah. this end um, of the industry yeah a, pr- a professional track there too also yes. I and mean, you could get credit for it teachers and librarians yes that's yes, correct so. yes yeah so I, I suspect Amy Wright is hovering in the background somewhere. Yes, so, yes. yes. <laughs> anyway. Or Altina uh, Coleman also, who's local to Chicago probably. Oh, cool. Very right. cool. Um, and uh, and there was uh, high praise apparently for Artist Alley. seems that there was really stocked with some fairly well-known uh, artists, uh, including Jill Thompson, um, Afua Richardson was there, uh, and others. Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, they have a pretty huge artist alley in Chicago. And, uh, right. you know, listen, if I could go have gone to all three shows, I would. But uh, for me, three weekends in a row, especially where I'm still recovering from my, my broken wrist, people, yeah. uh, that would really, uh, you know, have been pushing it. But I'm, I'm eager to see the, the dead dogs who dragged themselves into WonderCon and, um, you know, who did all three shows. I mean, I'm eager to see WonderCon. I haven't been to this show in quite a mm-hmm. while. It might be as much as eight or nine years. Uh, wow. I haven't been since the first time it was in the first year was in Anaheim because, frankly, I haven't really had a reason to go. So this is more just me checking in on the show. Um, so, you know, the other times I've been, I've had a really good time seeing Seeing mm-hmm. a lot of the people that you run into at San Diego, but they're so stressed out that they don't have time. <laughs> yeah. And at WonderCon, it's definitely a lot more laid back. So, um, and yeah, I've never been to WonderCon, but one of these days, I am going to get out there. Well, it's too bad you didn't go when it was San Francisco because it was pretty yeah, awesome then. But, but uh, you know, interestingly, Marvel had a very big presence at C2E2. Um, you know, Bridget uh, just mentioned all the publishers who weren't there, but she, you know, Marvel actually was there and put out kind of their major announcement. Announcements for the early part of the year. They announced that um, Jonathan Hickman is returning to the X Men with two X books. Uh, they also know, uh, announced their whole schedule for uh, 2019. Um, they put up a little graphic. They made it with all the you know events. A whole oh, bunch of events cool. are coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was kind of interesting though that uh, 
this indicated, I'm trying to find this graphic while we're talking, so uh, I'll, I'll have to find it in a minute. But but there's no new Marvel Now happening. There's not Mar- new Marvel Now, all new Marvel Now, or all new Marvel, or you know how Marvel's been relaunching itself every six yeah. months or so? So they yeah. haven't done that in a long time. And, yeah, well, not a super long time, just long for them. Well, okay, I think it's pretty <laughs> significant that they haven't done it really since they got a whole new management team in either. Yes. You know, well, I mean, they did have a pretty huge uh, addition turnover. of folks. Well, it wasn't even turnover. Only one person left, but they just bought in a whole bunch of other people. You know, Axel Lanza left as editor-in-chief at the end of uh, 2017. C.B. uh controversially took over as editor-in-chief. Um, but, yeah, you know, so it's been a whole year without renaming and renumbering right. everything. But they, a whole <laughs> year, Heidi. But they How have, will they survive? But, but, Kate, they haven't gone a whole year without doing it before. I mean, I know, I'm trying to but say. But it's still funny. Right. Yeah. I know. I know. But what I'm trying, you know, buried within all the Stark is more of a serious point to me, uh, which is that, guess what? Marvel's new management team is actually changing the way they do business. So, uh, and I think that's pretty interesting. So, It's worthwhile. Because, I mean, it was getting to the point where, like, Marvel comics were actually cracking jokes inside the comic about the fact that it was their, like, third number one in a year. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, yeah, it was absolutely a joke. A little, little too meta, but go on. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it was it was Squirrel Girl that I am specifically remembering, and that comic is nothing if not meta yes. since the very beginning. Sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Um, and then you're going to be heading to WonderCon soon. Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Oh, here we go. You know what? I found it here. Uh, I guess they did announce. They announced their publishing slate. So they only have three announced events. And then in December 2019, they have a question mark event. So so what that what could that could be? So they well, might be up to their own tricks. Okay. They might be relaunching or something. But Well, so. I mean, it seems like, like this um, – item we have from the Hollywood Reporter is saying that they are relaunching um, the X-Men comics. Yes. Um, they're bringing back Jonathan Hickman and they are are trying to yeah, do a two six issue series by him. Right. And I think it's very interesting that this was announced Right after Disney got the movie rights to X-Men. Uh, well, yes. I, but, I mean, you know, that, uh, in all fairness, that didn't take a mental giant, you know. I mean, the Fox-Disney <laughs> deal has been underway for a year, and it was slated to become final in March. So if you were, like, yeah, so planning I think they an had announcement, this announcement under their they, belt, they, ready to announce now if it went through. They had the release ready for months. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I would call put that under the rubric of good planning, to be honest, yeah. you know. I mean, well, I, I mean, it's good good planning that they're that they're timing it now but i kind of honestly think that they're doing it because of the deal like i, I think that there's they were deliberately backburnering the x-men until and unless they could absolutely they were get movies that's a fact them. yep that's a, that's true that is true they definitely did. They, they, uh, you know. And so, guess what? I think it's a wonderful new era for the Merry Mutants. And, and just, a, just a quick aside. Uh, 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 Teeny Howard, someone you've interviewed on the show, has signed yes. an exclusive deal with Marvel. That's true. I feel like yeah. you know we jumped on that train so early. Yeah. You know, Teeny yeah. was just getting started. If you go back and listen to that interview, she was really right. had only her first book out from Black Mask, and now she's a Marvel exclusive. I think that's only like two years. 
uh, pretty two, impressive. Two and a half yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. So that is very impressive. So, you know, congrats to Teeny. We yeah. knew her But she's when. got a couple of things, uh, you know, other things out there. But, yeah, but obviously getting an exclusive deal with Marvel is um, no small thing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, so, well, uh, well, just, you know, just to quickly finish up, yeah. uh, you know, D.C. will have a big presence at WonderCon. <laughs> so, <laughs> obviously, it's kind of their local show. They're in Burbank. It's in Anaheim. So, uh, you know, never shall all the Twains be, you know, united, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so I'll be looking forward to seeing what is going on with D.C. Uh, at WonderCon and also surviving. So, yeah. Yes. And then we have Mocha the week after. So that's, uh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, we, yeah with the, we're bringing it home, sis. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's so, going to be exciting. So, so the con um, season. Welcome to the show that never ends. Uh, all right. So let's jump quickly to IDW. Well, uh, I noticed Bridget did not even mention that IDW wasn't at C two E two because I don't yeah, think well, they've she, ever been to C two E two. There you they go. Haven't been a long time. <laughs> Well, the, definitely, uh, this is the year of talking about them. Uh, now it looks like they're essentially on the block to be sold. Um, and, uh, they're, they're actually being encouraged to do so this by one of their biggest shareholders. Huh. Yes. And when they announced it, their IDW's chairman and CEO said, quote unquote, that they want to realize the full potential of its vast content library and pipeline. Translation. We don't know how to make money off of this. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what he says, yeah. without a doubt. I mean, this entire saga of IDW is just head spinning, you know. I mean, if we, I'm sure we would have mentioned them. You know, last year when sales were down a little bit, we were talking, we were handicapping the various companies. And, you know, I guess IDW came under some scrutiny because they'd had a lot of changes at the top, a lot of people had left. Oof. But, I, boy, I didn't think six months later we'd be sitting and talking about this total chaotic yeah. You know, stew of unexpected craziness. You know, I should note, I was doing, I mean, I, I, I was doing a little digging. I mean, the key player in all of this is Howard Jonas. Now, Howard Jonas is a hedge fundy investory type who, uh, had traditionally buys up little small tech companies and then invests some money in them and then sells them. Like, he's been very successful at that. He sold this little tech company to Verizon mm-hmm. recently for $3.1 billion. And yep. he had another company that he sold to a different telecomy, you know, about 10 yeah. years ago for another billion dollars. So the guy is technically a billionaire. Um, so he's the one who's been floating all the money. He owns all these different companies. He Right now he's very involved in a pharmaceutical company. Um, oh, and that's he, always it. A- <laughs> right. And he owns, yeah. yes, and he owns a company company called IDT, which used to be the owner or the partner of IDW, but then IDW got spun off into its own thing along with CTM, which is a travel brochure publisher. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's been doing a lot of, um, you know, if you're trying to unravel this, I think probably Howard Jonas is the key to it. You know, he's like, he's definitely the key to, he's been financing it out of his own pocket, Um, but it seems like some of these shortfalls uh, in funding uh, which, you know, the most embarrassing thing I've ever heard of happen. It's like they had an order for Winona Earp on sci-fi and oh, don't yes, have the money to actually put the show into production. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's, yeah, that's beyond what's... amateur hour. Yeah, so, yeah, and it's very clear that the that um, um, Adam Wyden, who owns ADW, uh, who is a managing member of really of ADW Capital Partners, uh, who's who sort of sent this letter off to the board, um, urging them to move forward with this. 
Uh, I mean, part of that letter is him virtually delirious that how, that uh, Jonas is taking over the company. Deliriously so, happy or angry? Deliriously happy. Right. Yes. So let's just to be clear, though, that letter was sent a couple of weeks ago, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that letter came. So basically, IDW entered in. You know, trying to get the timeline. Uh, the IDW entered into this mortifying, you know, cash flow crunch, where they can't fund the TV shows that they have. Um, probably back in February, and then of course that sent everything into a tizzy, into a tailspin. And then at the beginning of March, this this board member, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrote this letter saying you need to sell this company. And now yeah. today they have hired, uh, I forget who it is. I know you wrote uh, a story about J- uh, it. J.P. Morgan. Yes, they've hired J.P. Morgan to explore a sale. Yeah. And uh, they may discover one. Right. Well, what uh, does that mean, Kelvin? Because you're well, more into business reporting well, than I am. Well, I mean, what 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 Wyden is calling for is some sort of stock exchange deal that he thinks will, will be a win-win for everybody. His whole, I mean, the the, the longer part of the letter uh, really goes into um, Wyden really kind of breaks down the media landscape right now. I mean, you don't have to be, you know. Um, a captain of industry to kind of see that streaming services are all over the place now. Right. That new ones are launching up. I mean, you, know, so you don't have to be a media anal- analyst to know this. You just have to be like a cable TV inter- uh, uh, fan, and you realize that all of a sudden the landscape is like filling up with new opportunities for oh, you. Oh yeah, to Apple. They just Apple just want. announced Apple, Apple Plus just this week. Apple just launched. Warner's uh, is going to launch at some point. These, uh, Disney's is still on the horizon. Uh, everybody's looking for new content. Uh, really, obviously, comic book publishers seem to be on everybody's eye now because of their ability to just generate endless amounts of content uh, that actually seems to hit a nerve for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, even in the letter, um, uh, Wyden goes down the list of what he sees as IDW's strength. Uh, he, uh, more than 200 IP franchises, uh, over a thousand characters, uh, 20 new stories. I thought, I thought IDW publishes more than that, but this is what he put in his uh, 20 new story segments each year. I think they publish more content than that. Well, um, I think, I think they're probably counting every story arc as a story segment. Yeah. Well, well listen, we've talked about this before and this is, what the subject of IDW comes up is that they do not have a huge war chest of properties that they own. You know, they're known primarily for licensing. They have very successful licensing with obviously Hasbro, with GI Joe, Transformers, um, you know, Star Trek. They have a very successful licensing program. Um, you know, they are actually licensing Marvel comics. They're doing Marvel kid comics yeah, now, right. yeah, and they yeah. have several other, um, you know, licenses. But uh, you know, they had. Some of the Buffy stuff for a while, um, some of yeah, the Buffy verse, right, right, which, which they don't have anymore. But yeah. um, you know, and original, they, they, they those... don't actually, but they don't actually have, uh, like, I mean, they have original properties that they control, but they don't have a gigantic war chest of it. You know, Winona Earp was published back in the nineties by Topps mm-hmm. Comics. You know, I mean, yeah, some of the stuff I mean, the numbers that I mentioned, they're not that big when you consider, uh, you know, how how long they've been in business, right? Um, they, you know, and Wyden's letter also uh, made a direct comparison between IDW and companies like Valiant and Miller World, who obviously have been acquired um, with uh, with the view of turning their content into TV. Right. 
So well, I, has value, but you, uh, right, right, right. Well, I, those two are not, yeah, but those two aren't ana- analogous at all, man. Those are so not analogous, you know, and, and, uh, Mark Miller is a genius compared to Valiant. I mean, he basically well, yeah. sold them himself. I mean, there is no Miller World Company. It's just Mark Miller sitting down and scribbling out ideas on nat- paper napkins. You know, he's the new Stan Lee. He can just say. Well, without a doubt. Without, uh, although I think Wyden's point is that, uh, or what he's trying in, in, in his rhetoric is anyway, in trying to convince the board this is the move to take, is that, they have or, or he's trying to make them believe that they have a comparable platform of content that they can interest somebody to finance. Yes. Well, let me ask we'll find both out. Calvin and Kate this. Do you think yes. they will find a, a buyer? You know, I, I, you know I, I have to wonder because just as you're saying, Heidi, I mean, it's not that big a trove. Yeah, I mean, they make it sound big, but like you got to ask yourself, okay, you got this many properties, but how many of those are properties anyone actually wants? Right. <laughs> yeah. There you, you go. You know, I mean, they say it has a valuation of like $300 million, like around $300 million given uh, given its its scale of what IDW does. Um, I mean, you'll never get that for it. I mean, didn't we determine that Dark Horse had been sold for $25 million? Yeah. yeah. Dark Horse has a lot more equity and a lot more yeah. things. You know, they also have very robust licensing, but they have, um, you know, long, long legacy of things that they own, you know, starting with Hellboy and the Frank yeah. Miller Library and, you know, tons of stuff. Yeah. So, so many things. Yeah. So, so many I mean, what things. I guess. So, but I, I mean, mean if, this, I, if this, you know, draw. What's his name? Dyson? Dyson guy? Uh, Wyden. Yeah. Adam Wyden. Wyden. Yeah. Wyden, sorry. Uh, if he thinks that they're going to get $300 million to this company, he's got another thing coming. Well, well I don't think he wants to to undersell himself. So stock, stock transfer. Go on. Yeah, I think it's the old, you know, don't, don't start at your rock bottom price when you say how much you think the company's worth. Obviously, if you think that there's somewhere another billionaire willing to spend $300 million on it, start there and figure you can always work down and tell them they got a bargain. Let me tell you, let me read uh, uh, what Wyden's uh, calling for. He's asking the IDW to try to find a partner to structure a stock for stock transaction with a larger public company that would allow current shareholders like himself to receive an even higher premium for the stock. And that the considerations were paid solely in cash. So, I mean, he, I mean, he's really hoping, I guess, that this content will, will well, attract someone. You know what? We'll find out. Uh, yeah, he's hoping. I'll tell you, yeah. like, you know, we had, we didn't really have this as an item on our list, but, um, but we alluded to it just that, uh, you know, Warner Brothers is in a bit of a pickle right now because they had to, uh, Kevin Sujahara, who was the CEO, had to step down because a little bit of a victimless oh, yeah. crime, but, you know, uh, it was unethical. A little bit embarrassing. Uh, quite embarrassing, <laughs> and it just showed, you know, a lack of judgment. I, I happen to feel that if Kevin Sujahara were a white man, probably he could have weathered the storm. But as I know, don't know if, if he could have. You have these to wonder days. these days. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, let's say what the, the it was. Text messages that they that uh, the Hollywood Reporter, I think that was what they was reporting. Right. Um. Yeah. Well, but, I yeah. know it was striking and uh, incriminating. Well, it was, yes. but I, I'm just saying it's like it wasn't. There was no harassment involved. It wasn't abuse involved. Right. It was just. So, it was unethical and shady as hell. You know. Yeah. But, so why but, don't we tell the listeners what it is? Sure. Go ahead, Kate. So, uh, Kevin Sujihara 
who is 54, uh, and was in a relationship for three years with a 20-something up-and-coming actress named Charlotte Kirk. So far, so good. Only problem is... <laughs> ...as a part of their relationship. And then the roles he got for her weren't actually very good. Well, yeah, I and mean, he was married also him. with a, you know, married with children also. So, you know, yeah, there's, there's that. Yeah, there's but, that. You know, <laughs> I mean, who knows? You know, not, not going to pry there, but um, yeah. And then look, yeah. he was pressuring, he was pressuring the, 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 the studios to put her in the movies. Yeah. Uh, and, she, and they did in, in many yeah. cases. And, yes, you know, in, not and roles she, that she was hoping for, but she doesn't have the most noble effort, uh, uh, ambitious either. I mean, clearly, uh, uh, she was, she was pushing, uh, um, as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I mean you know I uh I think a, a greater uh, I've mentioned the Ankler several times is an entertainment industry newsletter that goes out the subscription and um, the coverage of this has definitely uh, made my uh, you know the thirty bucks I paid to subscribe well worth it <laughs> you know apparently Sue Jahara was running around with Brett Ratner and the, yeah. and another yeah. person and uh, you know they were like. Uh, heading down to Comic-Con on a whim and partying. I mean, <laughs> you know, which, I mean, there was a lot of rumors about Sujihara going around and, um, you know, he chose the wrong crowd to, to hang out with. I mean, don't hang out with Brett Ratner. I mean, that's like, They're you know. Yeah. And, and in fact, if, you know, like, like looking at who could possibly have leaked these texts, okay? Like, she probably, it doesn't make her look good. Oh, though, by the way, she she's now good. in a relationship with the director of the new Hellboy movie, Neil Marshall, and he's like, she's so great, and he wanted to make her the lead of the movie. So, you know, this girl's good at something, okay? I will say that. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, um, all right. Well, I, can I you quote know, you on that, Heidi? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, on a more G-rated uh, angle, have we ever met there? that person who talks <laughs> A really amazing game about how amazing they are and convinces you they're a genius and everything. And as long as you're taken in by their charm, you're like, wow, yeah, I guess this person's really smart and stuff. And then once you get to know them better or you actually look at their work, you're like, oh, you're a good talker, but you're not actually a good artist or writer or actor or whatever their thing is. Well, yeah. she's good at something, whether it's talking or Well, she's or very persuasive. Is. We know that. She's very persuasive. Um, right. You know, but, I, you know, the, the Ankler pointed out that, um, you know, perhaps, like, Okay, I mean, just to be brutally honest, this woman was, you know, having a relationship with the head of a goddamn studio, and all she could get was these crappy little roles, you know? Like, she was going after the wrong person. (laughs) You know, it really says... But, anyway, to bring it back around... Well, you know, actually, it may say good things about Warner Brothers, that there's a limit to how much the CEO could interfere with the proper workings of the studio. Well, proper workings are a very malleable uh, idea at all times. And, you know, as someone who worked in Hollywood for a while and saw quite a bit of fun Hollywood shenanigans and heard about a lot, I will say so many times you will watch some old movie or and you'll see some that the leading actress is some actress who's really cute that you really didn't have much of a career. <laughs> and um, you can bet your bottom dollar that that was a favor to somebody putting her in the movie. And, yeah. uh, you know. It, oh, it, there's no doubt about that yes. back in the day. It's interesting that uh, in many of the text messages, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Sujihara was 
also saying, you know, I got to be careful here. I mean, he was actually uh, a little worried himself about where this was heading. Well, yeah, was, I think it, you know, he basically convicted himself because there's so many messages in there where he's saying, "Look, I've got to be careful here. I can't, you know, right. I can only do so right. much." Well, anyway, what I was going to say is that if you are trying to puzzle out, you know, who stood to gain from this, obviously Sujay Hart didn't stand to gain. Charlotte Kirk didn't really stand to gain. Uh, the studio that started again. So a lot of people think that the person who leaked these texts was Brett Ratner because Brett he, Ratner. Why yes, Brett Ratner? Because he, he because if you follow his Instagram, he's always like, you know, he was the tippity top and now he's exiled. So he is always casting shade, and throwing snark, and like you know, like wishing that he was back at the top of the game and running around with studio heads and doing all that. So you know, he did it for revenge. I mean, yeah, because he got—he's a me tour. Yeah, he's a total. Now he has a lot of, you know, yeah. abusive he harassment. He did actually like yes. bad to other human beings as opposed to yes. bad as a business move. Exactly, Thanks. exactly. Yes. So he spent permanently, you know, exile. He treated people like shit. Yes. yes, and it came back to bite him. Yes. But uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, revenge—the best, the best motive of all. There you go. All right. Well, but, but just uh, to finish up the rest of the point that I had. Is that which I know we're roaming for our field, but it's going to come back to IDW. So also, we were just talking about Disney and Fox. You know, now Disney mm-hmm. has acquired Fox. They already laid off like hundreds of people, mostly at the top. Yeah. Uh, they're going to sell off the Fox lot, which is tragic. And you know, thank wow. you, Rupert Murdoch. Um, and uh, you know, thousands more people are going to lose their jobs, and this entire studio is going to be folded into Disney. Yeah. And so it is a time of tremendous, um, you know. Uh, upheaval oh. right now in Hollywood. So if you're sitting here and thinking, hmm, who will buy IDW? Uh, well, it's not going to be a movie studio. We know that. Okay. Um, and because they don't need, you know, a streaming service? I don't know. I mean, some player, some Chinese player or somebody who wants to get into the streaming business, you know, and thinks that IDW would be, would be a good help for that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> I mean, after a year of turmoil, I think this – or two years of turmoil, uh, this is kind of what IDW is right now. Right. Well, you know, they have one ace in their pocket, which is that they have Chris Ryle there back as editor-in-chief. And Who also receives much praise in Wyden's um, uh, letter also. Right. Well, you High know, praise. Yes. Well, as well he should. So. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I suspect we'll be talking about IDW more to, uh, uh, in the w- months to come. Yes, and you've given me a well, good idea for things to talk about in the bar, the bar cons of WonderCon. Who there you will go. buy IDW? Who will buy? Who will buy? Well, okay. I mean, but speaking of who will buy in IDW, they have yet another humble bundle out right now. So, guys, if you like Transformers IDW comics, as I do, Now's your chance to snap up lots of lost light. All right. So can we segue here now to uh, AWA? Well, yeah. Well, talk about – well, perfect segue, Calvin. Yeah, absolutely. Because talk about wanting to get in on the game. Bill Jemis is back. Oh, no. And and they've got $5 million, too, in venture capital. Okay. That's interesting. I mean, uh, this is very interesting. I mean, it's kind of hard. I mean, uh, it's kind of hard for me to see what makes sense about this. I mean, are these going to be periodical comics? They seem to be. They announced, what, like three new series? I, I, you know, I'm not, 
I, I don't quite know what to say of this. This is like old school comics publishing meets what? Venture Capital? Well, I think somebody well yeah, okay, Jemis brought on Axel Alonso as the editor right, yeah, team, obviously. The, yeah. The, and then Bill the, the yeah, Bill Jemis, former Marvel publisher, then Axel Alonso, who formerly worked with Bill Jemis at Marvel. Yes. And then they bought in um uh, Jonathan Miller. Right, who is, uh, he won't, well, speaking of Mark Miller, he helped broker that deal, yeah. that for right. Mark Miller exactly. Netflix, so I guess I'd call him, uh, and, you know, Mark and Bill Jemis are quite tight, uh, so, it's a very small little circle here. Uh, you know, the best thing that I read about AWA, first off, it's a terrible name, artists, writers, and artisans, terrible. I, I AWA, you know, all I, I can think of is Vern Gagne and Ric Flair, but, um, you know, the old South, Southern Wrestling Conference, but I guess that's me. Um, so somebody said when they announced these titles that they looked like the kind of fake covers that you make for a movie when you're trying to have a pretend comic book company. Cause they are, there's one called Bad Mother, it says Baking Bad. Well, I think that's a good point because they all look like, please buy us for a movie. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, they do have some good talent on board. They got Peter Milligan on American Ronin and Frank Cho on Fight Girls uh, and Krista Faust on Bad Mother. But they they do they do sound like they're pitched at people who only theoretically understand comics. They're supposed to be comics that, like, they seem like comics that you think that you could sell in an elevator to a studio head who doesn't read comics. Yes, ding, 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 ding. I uh, mean, which doesn't mean they won't be good I comics. I mean, look at this. There's they just no... seem movieized already for your convenience. There seems to be no sense of the comics market that we're uh, we're facing now. This seems to be comics that are completely pitched to the direct market, completely. There's no talk of any kind of publica- uh, book publication, book distribution at all. There's no talk of, of, of YA or kids' graphic novels of any kind. This is just like old school comics publishing uh, pumped up with some venture capital well, in hope of talked, finding a movie. They haven't talked to you yet, Kelvin. <laughs> yeah. Well, I probably more, am. I mean, because I, mean, I, I got an email from, you know, a mass email from Bill Jimmis sent out. But I don't know if they want me to write about it. When I write about these new things, they, they don't they always crash and burn? Every <laughs> well, I think it's because they crash and burn. It's not because of you, Calvin. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just um, check. But, Just check. Um, but I will say, well, I'm not surprised they don't have all these other things. They've got four titles. They have four titles. They're a mini publisher. You yeah, know, they're they not going to cover Michael, all these different markets. Yeah, but they they're have Jay like, Michael Schlesinski working on an interconnected superhero universe because God knows that's what the direct sales market that, needs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just think that I think that this is. Uh, kind of a throwback, <laughs> uh, play by, you know, a, a bunch of, you know, look, obviously smart people yeah. who, um, you know, have really obviously run big companies, but they're just, you know, they're, they're publishing the kind of comics that they know how to publish. I'm not sure that these are the kind of pop comics that anybody really wants now. Well, snap. We don't. We don't. Oh, snap. It depends on what their mark, their business model is. Like, they're kind of comics that I'm like, well, it's not the dumbest comic you could make. I mean, I assume it's going to go to trade and they're going to sell digitally because everybody does that now. 
But, you know, I'm just like, well, they're kind of wait-and-see titles, but they're definitely movie-optimized. There's no question. Yeah, yeah. So, there you go. But on the other hand, I mean, hats off to them just for squeezing more money out of the venture capital market and getting more comics made. Maybe they'll buy IDW. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a crossover? Part of what strikes me about, about like, that for a so... crossover team-up? <laughs> yeah, well, some, I'm going to admit, part of what makes this smart and makes me kind of head desk at IDW and Valiant being like, oh, buy us for lots of money streaming services is like, yeah, you have a back catalog, but like the, the products have so little re- name recognition and so little to recommend them over what just a talented writer could come up with off the cuff that like, why buy these old nobody knows them properties? Why not just make some new stuff up? Well, there is, you know, it has been proven. There is, even if it had a very ephemeral life before, like somehow or other, having that name recognition of something that's been around for yeah. a while, you know, it's it's conducive. You know, look at us, the horror movie, Jordan Jordan Peele's mm-hmm. horror movie that opened last weekend. It was the second biggest yeah. original action movie of all times. The second biggest I mean, yeah. for an original. You know what the first one was? Avatar. So you go from Avatar to yeah. us to question mark. That just shows you how hard it is to launch something in a film that is completely original IP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why even a crappy comic book seems to be some kind of validation. And particularly when you've seen that how – I mean all of these studios have been able to take uh, comics properties that you know were kind of a little bit flat and turn them into massive franchises. Well, not all of them are flat. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, they 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 weren't the kind of like imposing franchises that they have since become. Even something like Iron Man. Oh yeah, well, Marvel is is you know Exhibit A. Yeah, that's my po- that that's the only point I'm trying to make. And if we to jump right back here to um you know Awa again, it's very interesting um, since you know some people are they're they're comparing them also to um, to TKO and to Ahoy. You know, uh, interestingly enough, um, in some ways they all share, in my view, the same sin of the, of insufficient focus on the book trade. But I will say this, uh, TKO, they don't necessarily have book trade distribution, but they have books. That's like they part put of their some plan. Into it. Book collection. TKO are, is, is actually put some thought into their business yes, model. And you can buy, you, know, you can buy their comics in any form. Ahoy Comics is putting out books. Uh, I don't know what their distribution is like, but they are they are collecting their their stuff in the books. So we're you know we'll we'll see that somewhere. Um, yeah, I think AWA will collect them into books. I mean, everybody. I'm sure they will. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, sure they, they will too. Well, wait a minute. But we'll find. You out. You know what? Double Take didn't. Yeah. Well, well they did, but <laughs> it didn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, that was Double built. Take did it. Double oh, Take had yeah. distribute. Double Take actually had a full structure. They just put you know they, those comics were crappy. Yeah, they I were mean, terrible. they had actually, I thought, in my humble opinion, uh, actually an interesting concept that they didn't do very well, and it, it showed. I mean, dramatically, uh, some of these com some of the comics were unreadable. Now, one or two of them were well done, but the rest were awful. 
Listen, um, Bill Jemis is audacious. I don't, I don't think, you know, you'll find a lot of people who have much harsher language for, for Bill Jemis. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, I, I probably the most positive thing you could say about him is that he is an original thinker, which is a very positive yeah. thing to say about anyone. And he's very audacious. You know, Double Take was really weird. Uh, and the books were, you know, bad. The art was very, very bad in them. And, the art was really yeah. bad. So, and that, that yeah. created a real problem. And now with AWA, it seems like he is teaming with much better creators. So, you know yeah. what? Let's yeah. see what happens. So maybe it'll happen, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, he's not going to have that problem with, with, with the material being, like, substandard. Um, yeah. He's not going to have that. Well, I'm just wondering like if there's a really a structure here that they can interest people in these books. Maybe they can. I mean, we'll yeah. find well, it seems like he's doing something different with Double Take in that it appears to be a smaller but more carefully thought out slate of books, which is definitely how I would recommend any publisher start. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, Double Take was actually very well thought out. It was just really poorly executed. Yeah. Well, by, by thought out, I mean including who you have on board doing it. Yeah. You know, there's a... There's a whole bunch of new publishers out there, um, Ahoy, TKO, and they yeah. all have very unique um, yeah. publishing plans. You know, no, the, none of them are like, oh, we're going to go out there and put out, you know, twelve superhero books, and then we're going to, you know, then we're going to launch another twelve. You know, they all have very, um, very targeted, uh, modest, and you know, scalable publishing plans. And so far, you know, I think Ahoy is doing okay. You know, they're not losing as much money as they thought they would. TKO, uh, I know you had T, um, Z on the yeah, show we, here, Z Chun. Yeah. I met up with him in Emerald City. Uh, you know, oh, that cool. guy is very smooth. He's very, yeah, very smart, very polished, and, um, you know, and seems pretty on the level, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I've talked absolutely. to a lot. I've talked to a lot of these people over the years, and you know, yeah. he struck me as as pretty on the level. And I want to see what they do. You know, he's yeah, he's yeah, also yeah, got yeah, some no, good people. Out and there. look, I, I also think that the, the the stories of TKO that I've read, I, I think they're pretty good. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, you and know, let me let me throw one more thing. You know, there's another new um, uh, publishing label out there now. There's original. Just about to segue to that. We, the, uh, we where you go we right shared the brand. No, go ahead, Calvin. Go ahead. Uh, well, look. Obviously, this was. Um, uh, what was this launch? Was this launch doing Emerald City? Yes, it's launching Emerald City. Uh, uh, Viz Originals. Obviously, they're going to be um, launching, uh, and I think this is really kind of fascinating. Uh, in light of those of us who lived through the original English language manga uh, era, yeah. the Viz Originals is a new imprint. They are they are uh, soliciting for manga inspired work by graphic novel artists. Here, um, there you know this isn't necessary. This isn't another uh, uh, a plan to publish licensed comics. They are really appealing to a generation of, of North Americans influenced by manga. Uh, and, uh, I, I had a great conversation with, um, a Fawn Law, who's going to be the executive editor, as well as with, uh, uh you know, uh, Layla Acker, who's, uh, one of the, uh, VP of publishing there, uh, really talking about how there's a generation of, of fans out there who have grown up under the, the influence of manga. Uh, sometimes they don't get a lot of encouragement, you know, uh, in, in art schools and some may, maybe in ways a little different than an earlier generation. But, you know, the style puts off some people. She made an, an outright appeal for them to, we want to see your work in the past. Uh, we want to see your work in the future. So, um, you know, they're going to be 
published in a uh, in the classic uh, manga uh, American manga trim size. They're also going to have a larger trim size. Uh, there's going to be multi-volume series and single series. So, um, I, and in this case, I think this is going to be very easy because this is clearly a book publisher looking to expand its audience. Yeah, and you know, there's that's a smart move. I mean, several of the uh, graduates of the original OEL manga program have gone on to be big stars, like Svetlana oh, sure. Chimakova, you Absolutely. know, with her Brave she's series. A star. Yeah, yeah, she's a star. Her books sell. So like hotcakes. So, you know, this is, is smart to go after this gigantic yeah. pool of talent out there. Um, you yeah, know, I, I think, I think the trick is just to manage it better than Tokyo Pop did. Oh, well, there's a lot yeah. of things you need to do different yeah. than what they're Tokyo not going to be did. publishing 500 books a year. Yeah. And they had a horrible that. contracts and, you know, I mean, yeah, no, the and frankly, I think their editing could have used some more. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So. You know, that was a very, yeah. Yeah, so this is this is this is a very interesting uh, new venture here coming out of Viz, and uh, and it's also I think points. I mean, all of this stuff. One thing you can step back and say: there's an incredible amount of optimism and 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 confidence in the comics market now, well, and, and across a variety of categories. Well, I was going to actually segue to a different story, which is one that we had talked about, where there's a a, a, a small publisher called A Wave Blue World, run by mm, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, Tanner Chin, who's been in comics for quite a while. He's been around a long time, and I think he's had different publishing companies, but the name of it now is A Wave, A Wave Blue World, which is really hard to say. <laughs> yes, and, it is. But they brought on, um, Lisa, Lisa Wu, Lisa who's, Wu. who's mm-hmm. formerly at Aftershock as their kind of marketing director, and then Joe Illich as an editor. So, yes. you know, they're kind of ramping up a little bit there. Yeah, so I don't know much about them at all. Uh, I obviously I know a little bit about Joe Illich, so it'll be interesting to see where this comp- company goes. Well, they put I, out, you know, they put out a, a I, their their logline is that they want to do books that are socially, uh, you know, matter and that have you know really strong messages. So I think you know that's a lot more aligned to um anti a focus on originality and cultural re- relevance is what they say. Yeah. You know, they publish Kismet by uh, sometime Publishers Weekly contributor. A. David Lewis, uh, oh. uh, which is oh, about yeah. the so world's first right. Muslim superhero fighting behind right. na- Nazis, behind enemy lines. Uh, so that's a book that got a little bit of notice. And uh, they put out some other books. Uh, All We Ever Wanted is a, um anthology that came out, This Nightmare Kills Fascists. I'm looking at their website. That's just how yeah. I know mm-hmm. these things. But, you know, they put out, um, they put out a small, pretty targeted mm-hmm. line of of books that kind of uh I would say looking at it would have a much better chance of finding an audience among current comics readers. So Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I, I, I haven't read their books but I'm I'm gonna certainly look them up now. All right. So um now I think we've all seen Captain Marvel now. Yes we have. Yes. Who was the holdout? Kate? No. <gasps> Calvin. I think I Calvin. was the last one. I think I was the last one. Shame, yeah. shame, shame. Yeah, that's, right. that's true. But you know what? I'm glad it did. Uh, I, you know, look, I enjoyed it. You know, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, my, my, my comments are not that different from, I mean, Kate mentioned a few things, uh, you know, one of an early show about her, her reaction to the movie. I mean, uh, I wasn't blown away up about it, but it was, it was perfectly entertaining. Um, uh, and once again, I marvel at how Marvel, uh, has managed this its its universe 
of movies and how it brings them out and 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 uh, creates buzz around and interest around these movies. And we're already on to the next one. We're already waiting for the next one. Kate, did you like it? I liked it a lot. Um, it's one of those movies where I can intellectually say that, you know, Wonder Woman and and Black Panther were more, you know, epic moments for the ages. But as far as a comic book superhero movie where I felt like I knew and liked the character, I had a fun time watching the movie, I felt satisfied with the movie. You know, I almost feel like it's a thing in and of itself that... For all it was the first Marvel superhero movie about a female protagonist, it, it didn't feel like it had that burden of having to represent all women everywhere. Yeah, that and was, work really hard at. It. Absolutely, that was a really wonderful part of it. That it was very clear that this was Carol's story, yeah. and and uh, there were other stories. You know, like yeah, she wasn't yeah. the there are, there's some interesting possibilities that come out of this movie. And I was actually, um, I, I thought there was, I thought there was a good twist. I actually, you know, my Cree scroll, hmm. you know, knowledge is, is is a little fragmentary. So I was kind of impressed uh, with how the plot played out. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I, I I'm kind of with Calvin. I mean, I've I've seen it once. I definitely want to see it again. Um, I was a little bit like let down when I saw it the first time because the hype, there had been so much hype and it was perfectly okay as a Marvel movie. It certainly wasn't the worst Marvel movie, but I thought it was very middle of the pack. But you know, a lot of people reacted to it very strongly and, uh, I, I'm not gainsaying that. I'm not saying they're, they're wrong. You know, there was obviously something that spoke to people in the, in this film and, uh, I definitely want to go check it out again. I will say, I feel like this was a very Kevin Feige movie, you know? Hmm. It in, was, in what way? Well, because I think if you see the directors of the movie, whose names I can't even remember, you know, it's a directing yeah. team, and they've made yeah, a lot a of indie movies, and they... Um, a woman and a dude. Yes, but have you seen them talking a lot about the movie and what Ms. Mar- uh, Ms. I always say Ms. Marvel because I'm I old. Car- <laughs> Captain Marvel, have you seen, uh, what Captain Marvel means or like what they're going to do with her or where they see her in the Marvel Universe? No, I haven't. I haven't heard, seen her. Yeah, seen but it's not like when Ryan Coogler did Black Panther, and obviously, you know, I mean, you can't really compare anything to that because it was his movie. But, uh, you know, even like, I mean, you can tell who's got some auteur status and who doesn't. You know, I I follow this very clearly. You know, like the Russo brothers, the Avengers, you all over the place. You know, Taika Waititi was all over the place with Thor, mm-hmm. and the comments that I've seen from this directing duo have been. Very muted, and so to me, it's well, so much. Well, but the Russo of... brothers, you saw more after their first movie. The first movie, they had less offshore status. Yeah, that's true. Once yeah, that was absolutely. a hit and a critical darling, then you saw them more. That's true, and I mean, you might see more from from the 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 the, the team that made Captain Marvel. Also, you know, I mean, but let's be honest, all MCU movies are very heavily packaged. There's a lot of things that are done in-house at Disney Marvel. You know, they have their own kind of previs. They have their own storyboarding. You know, they do a lot of the second Mm -hmm. unit stuff. The directors really direct very little 
of the movie that is, you know, they direct the close-ups. And you could tell the close-ups had a very different look, I think. But uh, they don't direct the action. Yeah, there's, or, I mean, the action, there's, it's far, I didn't a lot know of these, that they didn't let their directors direct their own action. Oh, my God. Uh, that's been known. I mean, some do, okay? Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, they have a big machine that mm-hmm. you get into this machine and... You know, the machine, that's why now the machine has loosened up a little bit, okay? Because, mm-hmm. um. Because the movies were coming a little bit, uh, formulistic. I mean, they're always. Well, yeah, well, they were up until Guess yeah. Who left. You know, me, my, my nemesis. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, with the worst being Avengers, uh, Ultron, which was a horrible mm-hmm. movie, you know? And yeah. it was, and Joss yeah. Whedon talked about how horrible the experience of making it was because he was caught up in this big machine. So anyway. Yeah, yeah and he was like told to like put product placement for motor oil in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think after 22 movies, we have a pretty good idea of where Kevin Feige's interest lie. I mean, the guy's done enough interviews and everything, and I, I feel like this was a movie that very much reflected his view of the Marvel Universe, mm-hmm. and you know what? Good. It was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and then, he's, and he's, had, yeah. he's had the touch of gold. I, I mean, mean, I will say this about, uh, I, I liked Brie Larson. I thought she did a good job. Um, I didn't think that uh, the, the range of things they asked her to do was very wide, uh, but what she was asked to do, she, she really delivered. Um, so I'm looking forward to her in, uh, in what, in game, I guess, huh? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, yeah. And you know, the flaw, talk about timing. I mean, they're just so smooth. Like, the minute Captain Marvel came out and was a hit, then they released a new trailer for the Avengers Endgame with Captain Marvel on it and a poster. Exactly. The final poster where she took her place. So, yes, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I continue to return to the, what, Mar- what Marvel has achieved as uh, just as a looming managerial right. presence over its empire. Yeah. Um, so you guys, this you, you guys, were... of comics and blockbuster, it's been amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I'm going to say is that I think that they, what they did with Ms. Marvel well, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel well, is that they marketed that yes, someone who's going to see Endgame is going to want to see this movie, but. They didn't hang their marketing on that, and they didn't hang why you should like this movie on that. It didn't feel like, ooh, here's a prequel. Like, it it did what Doctor Strange did, and it did what Black Panther did, where it was its own movie, and even, so that's, even somebody who's like, oh, I'm not into the whole MCU as a whole, watching every single thing, right. can enjoy the movie as what it is. And not feel like you're missing anything. Right. Absolutely. Well, there's no question that Captain Marvel is a huge success for the Marvel Universe. And it's proof for all times that a movie starring a woman superhero can be a yes. huge success. So, you know, let's bury that. And speaking of buried, on to Avengers Endgame. Yes. Uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Bring it on. I, man, I, yeah. Okay. Well, just counting down the minutes. Got to stay safe. I got to make it to that three hour long film. <laughs> yeah, right. I just saw that the numbers today. Yeah, right. So, well, yeah, there you I, go. I'm going to think, be there for a minute. <laughs> I think that they should have an intermission the way they did in Sound of Music to okay. give everyone time to get up and go to the bathroom. Yeah, we're the hateful go. eight. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, I guess on that note, there will be more to come. 